What is up, friends? Welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets, the show that keeps you ahead of the curve in Bitcoin. My name is Ansel Linder, and today we're going to do a quick follow-up to the last episode on the Triffin Dilemma. I had some feedback. I need to make a correction. Uh, specifically, Lynn Alden responded to a tweet about the show. So I'm going to go into a little bit more detail in that regard. And then the next show, I'm going to follow this up with an NFT episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm going to react to Pompliano and Beeple's interview and then also talk about Bitcoin's fungibility because a lot of people were starting to say that Bitcoin was an NFT. So um, I'm going to dive into that topic on the next episode. Now I'm going to go through some of Lynn Alden's recent works, taking some quotes out to kind of show the Triffin Dilemma aspect of this. Um, if you guys want a longer piece that I go through and react to uh, more of her arguments within her articles, let me know. Hit me up in DMs on Twitter or you can hit me up uh, on Discord if you guys are in the Discord. Uh, let me know that you want to hear that and I'll try to go piece by piece. Or if you have a specific argument you want me to respond to, you guys can show me the quote and then I will respond to that. I think that's maybe a better way to do it because uh, some of her work, I've wanted to react to it for a long time, uh, but it's really long and detailed, her bigger pieces. And so uh, it's it's hard to, I mean, the episodes turn into like two hour long things and I just don't have the time to put that kind of stuff out. So if you guys have a specific quote, show it to me, I'll respond to it and throw that up on an episode. So um, anyways, yeah, let's dive in to this part two of the Triffin Dilemma. The, if you haven't listened to the original episode, go back and listen to that. It's just the episode 226 right before this. I've noticed Triffin being talked about everywhere. And I know it's not because I did an episode on it, but it's uh, it's becoming more and more common. I think maybe because of the person that I'm about to talk about today. Yeah, Triffin is becoming very talked about when it is just plain wrong. Triffin is wrong. So we will dive into all of that. So how did this come about? Well, a listener, Shane Picker, quoted my tweet from the last podcast and uh, tagged Lynn Alden and said, this seems to take aim at your view of Triffin and current assets thoughts. And she said, my article separates capital account Triffin versus current account Triffin and references the same BIS paper. The podcast doesn't address my arguments in my article and attributes arguments to me that are actually the opposite of my position. Not sure he read my article. So I don't remember attributing arguments to her other than the use of a current account Triffin, which I think is pretty, like it's not really debatable. Um, I have a few quotes here from her that we will go through just to prove that point. But up front, I mean, my apologies. If I don't didn't understand your argument, or I still don't understand your argument, um, you know, apologies. But uh, I think that your use of Triffin is pretty plain, plain as day to see. You're a great macro analyst, and this is just an academic disagreement. I think Triffin is not useful. It actually leads us down the wrong line of thinking. Uh, and so, of course, guys, I will link everything in the show notes, including that tweet from Mr. Shane Picker <laughs> and Lynn Alden's two articles that I think are relevant. So uh, where should we start? Well, let's just start outlining Triffin. There's a longer 
outline in the previous episode. Pretty much back in 1960, a guy named Robert Triffin predicted that the U.S. would have to go off the gold standard or default on, on the gold backing of the U.S. dollar. And this was mainly because some uh, balance of payments imbalances. I mean, I guess consistent, consistently running a trade surplus with the world and consistently building up liabilities outside of the United States. And he said that once those liabilities topped above the value of our gold stock that we held at Fort Knox, then there would be a run on that gold. And that would force the U.S. to default on the gold backing of the dollar. Um, and that would, in turn, result in a deflationary spiral into another Great Depression. So he became famous because we did go off the gold standard, but that was it. That's the only thing that he got right, and that's not very monumentally <laughs> hard to predict. But everything else he said was wrong. You know, there was no clear crossover point where our liabilities exceeded our gold stock and there was a run on the gold. It kind of happened that way, but 64 was that crossover point, 1964. And we didn't go off the gold standard until 1971. And there's arguments that the U.S. could have changed policy a little bit and extended that for another decade or two. You know, Great Britain went much further down the fractional reserve gold backing than the U.S. did. It was a policy decision at that point. So there was no clear crossover point. And finally, there was no deflationary spiral. There was actually high inflation after we went off the gold standard in called the great inflation in the 70s. So um, he was wrong on pretty much every count other than, yes, we did break the gold peg. But many, many people predicted that that wasn't anything great about Triffin. So anyway, in recent years, people have taken this Triffin dogma and kind of slightly shifted it because we're no longer on a gold dollar. Um, some people like uh, Lynn Alden say we're on a petrodollar standard. So there, there's this uh, difference in what kind of monetary standard we have. I think it's more of a financial system that we have versus a monetary standard. But um, that's going to, that would take too long to explain. So the, many people are talking about this uh, Triffin in a current account fashion today, which is not how it was originally uh, pitched. Okay. And I just want to make sure that we can establish that Lynn Alden's using a current account Triffin, which is, was my only point from the last episode, to be honest with you. So I'm going to pick out a few of her quotes here. Okay. For the petrodollar system, the flaw is the persistent trade deficits that the U S has to run with the rest of the world in order to supply the world with dollars that they must use for energy pricing. Now I have a lot to say about that. But let's just roll with the, these other quotes. Quote, in other words, the flaw in the Bretton Woods system was about the United States capital account, whereas the flaw in the petrodollar system is about the United States current account. Quote, basically, the petrodollar system and the associated financial policy is fraying under its own inherent flaws over the decades, which again gets back to the Triffin dilemma, that to maintain a global reserve currency, you need to export an increasing amount of your valuable assets like gold reserves or industrial base. The cost inherently makes these sorts of systems long-lasting but not permanent. Quote, In reality, those external actions are a symptom of the more underlying flaws of the system. The fact that the United States is no longer big enough as a share of global GDP to supply enough dollars to fund global energy markets and global trade. 
The fact that the United States has to run persistent trade deficits to get dollars out into the system, and the fact that an all-fiat global currency system incentivizes mercantilist currency manipulation by many countries to generate trade surpluses against the United States wherever possible. Okay, so those are the quotes I just pulled out. As you can see, it centers around a current account Triffin, and that deficits are an underlying cause. So it's the deficits along with the role of the world reserve currency that sets up this dilemma, um, this current account Triffin dilemma. But what, what this fails to acknowledge is the fact that deficits are just a small way, a small portion of how the U.S. can export dollars. Okay, it's called the euro dollar system. And in that same BIS paper that uh, she and I both quote from, and which she failed to quote the part that says the current account Triffin is not legit. Um, this is what the BIS has to say. Triffin did not take into account what became a substantial stock of U.S. dollars held by the foreign central banks offshore that made the U.S. portion worse according, oh sorry, the U.S. position worse according to his analysis. Years later, the growth of the offshore dollar market led Triffin to add official euro dollar deposits to dollar reserves held in the United States, an addition subsequently neglected by international economists. This point is not just a historical footnote. The point is worth elaboration because the same misapprehension that all dollars are held stateside afflicts the more recent versions of Triffin discussed below, which is the current account Triffin. Four years after gold and the dollar crisis appeared, that's Triffin's book, the world learned of a stock of $4.4 billion in bank liabilities outside the United States as of September 1963. So that is a big amount for back then. That's billions in the 60s. That's a lot of money. That's probably like $400 billion today. Then the Bank of International Settlements upped its estimate to $6.9 billion by 1965. Central banks held about half of such offshore dollar deposits, presumably to obtain higher earnings on these funds than in the United States. So these funds, the, the euro dollar system is a complication to Triffin because it mixes up the source. It mixes up the destination of these funds and where they're being held for what reason. I mean, it was just under investigation that they found this 6.9, so almost $7 billion in 1965 offshore already that was complicating Triffin's calculation. And this is because people are not equations. You can't look to math to figure out what's going to happen. All right. You have to look at physical reality and understand people and understand relationships and geopolitics. That's as... It's more important than the equations, I guarantee you, because equations can be imperfect. All equations are imperfect. All measurements are imperfect. Anyway, uh, the BIS also says specifically about the current account Triffin. So the dollar standard under floating exchange rates does not obviously have a problem that is all that Triffin-esque. In principle, the rest of the world does not require U.S. current account deficits to accumulate dollar reserves. And in practice, dollar claims on non-U.S. residents appear to have played a substantial role. While the U.S. current account deficits have been larger than one might expect from U.S. characteristics, it is not at all clear that these are to be explained by the international role of the dollar, rather than the U.S. economy's size or the liquidity of its financial markets. Again, 
complications. It's more complicated than saying deficits fund the world. That's how we get dollars out in the world is by running deficits. No, there's dollars out there. There's over, there's dollars everywhere you look and they can make loans based on dollars that print more dollars. You know, that is, so there is, there's very little connection between deficits and dollar reserves. There's just very little. So that's why I say Triffin-esque arguments, they're really moot. They're not, shouldn't even be considered this Triffin-esque style of dilemma. Especially the current account Triffin is not useful in any way. It actually distracts from understanding the real thing that's going on in the euro dollar market, in the dollar, in the global economy. So what else can I do here? I think that, I think I've made clear that the premise is wrong. Okay. The deficits fund reserves outside the United States. So I think I've pretty much debunked that. That is it for this one, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is a listener-funded podcast. To find out more, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com. That is where you'll also find the show notes for this episode. And while you're there, subscribe to the free weekly newsletter. Uh, That is the best free weekly newsletter in Bitcoin called the Fundamentals Report. And check out the Discord. We're building a nice community over there with lots of simultaneous topics and rooms going at the same time. So BitcoinAndMarkets.com and you'll find all of that information. Thanks for listening. See you next time.